0: Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. My name is Grant, and I am here today with Chanel, our strongman coach. She is freshly back from the CrossFit Level 2 seminar. And we just wanted to take an episode here to talk about it because there were some really good points, uh, some great takeaways from the weekend. And just for a little backstory, the L two that she went to was over at eight one zero CrossFit uh, over in Grand Blanc, Michigan. To use the the, the French <laughs> parlance, uh, you know, maybe need to add a little more accent in there. But uh, drove over to Grand Blanc and. That would be with a K. Blank would be B-L-A-N-K, right? Blanc, Blanc, Grand Blanc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, over to 810 CrossFit, which is owned by Joe DeGain, who many listeners out there will recognize from probably one of their seminars if you've taken any CrossFit seminar. Um, he is a fantastic uh, teacher. We were really, really happy um, that this level two was flowed by him and uh who is your other Colin Colin and yes. this
1: was my third I was signed up for like March April and I got moved and then I got moved again oh yeah so it ended up being really exciting because I didn't even know the other two gems or who knows who the Flowmaster would have been
0: and it might be attributable to your success and <laughs> that you're what because of COVID, your uh, level two got pushed back how many months from when it was originally scheduled
1: it's so like four months I got pushed back like every other month three times. <laughs>
0: so you had that a uh, much more time to study practice and get practice. ready, right? <clears throat> and so um it was a beautiful ninety degree plus <laughs> hot as balls uh days, both times where we got this interesting situation where um relatively small gym A one oh. Uh, i smaller than I thought it was going to be, but it's actually good. It's a cute little space and they utilize every square inch of that building very effectively. Um, but where your lectures and things were inside, correct? And then workouts and, uh, and some of those other things were outside, right? Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, lecture was inside. We had chairs that were measured out six feet apart with little stickers or tape on the floor. So we stayed separated and we wore our masks inside. That's where the lectures were done. And then we would go outside to do workouts and practicals so that we could take masks out, be outside, do our workouts, keep our spacing still.
0: Yeah, I was worried that that was going to make the seminar not as fun or not as, I don't know, beneficial in some way of, you know, just someone trying to speak to me with a mask on is kind of annoying and it's also muffled and kind of weird. Um, The only
1: downside, uh, I hadn't worn a mask for an extended period of time other than running in and out of the grocery store, is that I also have not been able to get my eyebrows and lips waxed, but I (laughs) I plucked my eyebrows, but I'm pretty sure my lips get a little hairy because I just constantly had like sweat on my lip. From wearing the mask while sitting there listening to lecture <laughs> i think that was the worst part about wearing a mask inside for
0: like, yeah i didn't time. notice until <laughs> having to stand in line at the post office recently for an extended period of time but it gets hot your face gets really hot yes. on those things so thank goodness you didn't have to work out with one of those things on um but your workouts were outside yes right yep and I know they, they tried to rearrange the schedule on the second day a little bit to knock your workout out first thing in the morning. it was a little cooler. All right. So many people are familiar with the, if you've taken the, I'm sorry, many people, people who have taken the CrossFit Level 1 seminar are familiar with the workouts that you do there And the first day being the uh, thrusters and burpee workout, if you've taken your seminar within the past like ten, eight, nine years or so. And then the second day, being the uh, medicine ball clean and uh, ab mat sit-up workout here at the level two you did a workout each day as well but your first workout was a what a heavy day right and then the second one on sunday was a metcon both of which though are coached by the cadre in a way that is meant to show you or demonstrate some of the things they're talking about in lecture, right? But that first one, that heavy day, is you're paired up, right, with other people?
1: Yeah, so it's still led by the seminar staff, but you have someone next to you and you're kind of watching each other to help continue seeing and correct. You're seeing teaching, or you're seeing correcting skills because they're doing the teaching at that point. And they're also walking around, so they'll stand next to you if you're watching your partner lift and be like, what do you see right now? and see if you pick up what they're picking up and how you'll correct it
0: yeah uh chanel wrote down on a little note over here and passed it over to me like how much we're allowed to talk about with this kind of stuff and really you don't have to worry about that in in that the level two is a feedback oriented actually is a good opportunity to talk about like what the level two is compared to the level one so whereas the level one if you sat here and talked about all the answers to the test at the end that multiple (laughs) choice test yes that would definitely be a problem but even the content of the l1 a lot of it is on video on youtube in terms of like the breakout small group circles and the lectures and things like that uh the things you can't do are like take a video of them the lectures and then try to post that crossfit's allowed to post those videos if they want to it's their property but uh in terms of like the content of it and it's not a big deal other than the tests you don't have a multiple choice like proctored test for the l2 you do have a check on learning test which we're going to take here online Um, but it is again it's that check on learning it's not yet a it's a certificate course right so it's a it's a an amount of knowledge that is kind of given to you and then you kind of test it on on that but you're not it is not a validation of learning like a a, um, certification right so uh the l2 compared to the l1 is very much about assessing and giving feedback on your ability to coach whereas the l1 is all about like what is crossfit what is fitness what are functional movements it's showing you what the kernel the the foundation of this methodology is and then the level two is sort of looking at your ability to apply it and then giving you critiques and feedback in terms of your ability to improve that giving you a direction forward Um, and so the, the L2 is not as much of, a, other than obviously the intellectual property of the lectures that you're going through and things, it is not. But even then, that the manual is open source. It's online. You can look it up. Um, it is uh, way more just about feedback to coaches. And as you saw, they do, compared to the L1, the instructors do a lot less talking and a lot more opportunity for you to be out there doing something and then they're giving you feedback on what you just did. You wanna talk a little bit about the difference between like how the lecture's related to the L1 and then like the breakout sessions, for, whereas you know, you're know you getting kind of shown what to do in the L1 and then in the L2, what, what you kind of did in some of those breakouts.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there are still a few lectures and they kind of piggyback off of the level one, but just go into more detail or from a slightly different point of view uh, the lectures were still awesome, and I'd have to look back at my notes to tell to give you more details on each one. But a lot more hands on, and the circles are smaller. I mean, I don't know about all level ones. Mine was at Rogue Fitness, and I think we had like sixty people, and so it was still ten to one, ten people to one redshirt in a circle. But seemed to go so fast, and um, you weren't actually doing a whole lot of teaching; they were teaching you. We're here, here we were in smaller circles of like five or six people to one seminar staff member and they were you were coming up front and you were doing most of the talking and doing and then they were giving you feedback and you kind of rotate through definitely a lot more hands on.
0: Cool. And so one of the reasons why Chanel one of the reasons we're doing this episode is because she was extremely successful at the seminar this weekend. And we want to talk a little bit about why and dig into that. But one of the reasons why she was so successful is because she takes ridiculously copious notes compared to like, if you could see the, if there was a video right now, my piece of paper on my side of the table has like drawings and scratches and scribbles and unrecognizable things on it. And hers is full from first line to the end with lots of detail and underlines and highlights and things like that. So, but I don't know what to, what you have on there or how to introduce it. So why don't you give me something that you want to talk about here and then we can build off of it from there.
1: Yeah. My first couple of bullet points, I just wrote down all the different ways I studied or prepared for my level two. Um, I think you mentioned maybe I was the newest uh, coach, like the least experienced I have maybe six months of CrossFit coaching under my, like I've done other, I've coached and yeah. like personal trained people, but in CrossFit right. after my level one, I've had about six months, but in yeah, the to, of to that, be clear, like you've coached
0: a off. lot of people in the past. Yeah. It's just been more personal training, strongman, you know, nutrition. You've done a lot of coaching of people in other aspects, just not specifically CrossFit, CrossFit classes. classes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I've had about six months of CrossFit class coaching, and I mean, quite a bit. I jumped right in with like three-plus classes a week and, and everything. But out of the 12 people at my level two, I think four of them were box owners, and like half of them had like eight-plus years. So it was a little intimidating to be sitting there like, oh, I've been coaching for six months in this field.
0: And I think you were the youngest just by age, too, I think right? So.
1: Yeah. Close to it.
0: So, but this is an interesting point I wanted to bring up because I think that just like the L1 something I noticed at both of my L1 and my L2s was that there's a slight feeling on my part anyway of quite a few of the people had been doing CrossFit for a very long time before coming and taking the seminar. So quite a few people at my L1, I would say, by far by far I was one of the newest. That's not as common anymore. During my internships when I went there, there was almost always at least one hand of it like being Listen. their first 6 months yeah. or their even their very first time doing any CrossFit, which at least when I back when I did my L1, there was not a single hand went up and I would say almost every single person in there had been doing CrossFit for at least a year, if not more like 2 or 3 years. And then yeah, at the L2, I was way I To be fair, I will self-admit that I took my L2 too early. I did not prepare for it the same way Chanel did. I am definitely one of those people who likes to jump in first and figure it out later. And that's not that while that can be effective in other spheres, the L2, it has a variability, a much bigger variability in terms of what you can get out of it in terms of benefit. And I think if you're too unprepared for the course, I think you can be underprepared for it and overprepared for it and where it gets bad in the other direction. We'll talk about that right now. But like, I think I was underprepared and I think you were just right. And I think a lot of the other people you took that seminar with, like I experienced as well, were overprepared in terms of, sorry, the puppy's snoring. So it's, it's funny. <laughs> Anytime he snores, I don't think it's It's, loud enough to it's not, it but it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, no, so, you know, I don't feel like I got enough out of my L2 just because it was like, Deer in the headlights kind of deal because I had not yeah, prepared don't for it time and
1: you don't prepare, it's in in, in the
0: right ways, yeah. but like we saw at yours, th- it just reminded me a lot of some of the things you told me about when you were in charge of expert field medical badge right in the army where you had testing lanes for uh, field medics or combat medics rather and like their application of their craft and the discrepancy you saw in terms of sometimes like freshly minted lieutenants out of medical officer training could take to the material and succeed a little more smoothly in the course than combat medics who had been deployed multiple times, who had spent years in the field and had been doing this professionally for a long, long time. And the rationality there is just that once you're really set in your ways, once you have a lot of established habits, it becomes really, really hard. It's like in class, trying to coach someone to snatch who has a bunch of bad movement patterns and they've been snatching that way for years is really, really, really hard to fix versus someone who's brand new and you're starting from scratch. Right. Sometimes it can be a lot easier to teach them the movement, right? And uh, the same thing, I think a lot of people wait way too long to take their level two, where they've already been coaching for four, five, six years. They've already got their habits into place. And I mean, most of the people I've run into don't have a huge ego, but you can definitely have that conflict of you don't want to walk into the L2 with the idea of like that you've got it all figured out. Cause A, you're going to find out that you don't, and you're probably not going to get much as much from it because you're going to spend a bunch of that time having a bunch of your predispositions and beliefs kind of crushed or flipped on their head
1: or even just after each practical you're given feedback on some points to improve on and they'll ask you before the next practical like what were your feedback from last time I think they want to see if you could improve that or not make the same mistakes they give you feedback on something new and if that's just you could see people fighting because it was just habit and they're like they would like kind of stutter or stop or like pause because they're like wait i'm about to do what they said not to but i'm so used to doing that now and like they wanted to make the change but it's going to take time yeah but it's so ingrained that it's hard to change it from one hour to the next
0: <laughs> and that's why i think like your situation was perfect because you want to finish your l1 you want to dive right into getting as much practical experience as you can start personal training people start coaching some classes get hands on really, but stay close to the L1 material and apply it. Get some, get some hours under your belt, take the scaling course, take the lesson planning course, apply that stuff. And then I would say, go and take your L2 within a year or two of starting to do that. And that way you're getting a check on your ability. Like you've now gained some experience and now you're really getting a critique of that. And then even more, you're getting to see where your weaknesses or natural weaknesses are developing, where your natural strengths are and how to go forward from there. And I think that can like just, um, shoot you forward versus I think some of these people who had been, go- had been doing this for a really long time might actually leave not with a negative experience, but with like a, oh crap, like I need to go back and like undo a bunch of this stuff. Like it almost feels like you have to go back and rework things, um, versus, you know, having a whole bunch of new tools to then run faster with, I don't know, yeah. but go ahead and hit one of your other points here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you don't spend the whole time on I one. I mean, we printed
1: L2 participant study guide, whatever the title is of that. So I went through that like a while ago, but I was like, this would be better as it gets closer other than the movements and faults, but like a lot of the other details of the class, I wasn't too worried about right away. Uh, you have made a level two prep packet for the coaches at our gyms as an option. And that has links to a lot of the, little l1 and l2 video clips on youtube that crossfit puts out um and i watched those a little while back and then i rewatched them i think the week before like last week before i left i watched a lot of those and that really helped after studying again and going back and looking and watching that person move and then pausing it before the staff member said anything to see if i could catch the correction Mm -hmm. and um figure out a way that i would correct it and then push play and see if it was the same thing that they were about to say and that was kind of a fun game to play. Um, I'm I'm a note cards person, always have been in the medical field. It's it's just the way my brain works. So I made note cards with each of the nine foundational movements on one side, and then on the other side was the setup. Um, I tried to keep because there's a lot. So setup on one, execution on another, and then points of performance. Uh, so I could flip back and forth and learn those. Uh, again, as I said, watch the YouTube videos, listen to. I went through and found all of the best hour of their day podcasts that dealt with movement. So they have like an hour on the air squat, teaching, seeing, correcting the air squat or the push jerk. And I listened to those on my drive back and forth to work the week before uh, going. And that helped just little tips and tricks, like learning, like, hey, just hop up and down three times. That puts their feet under their hips Mm -hmm. or tell them they're walking in from a muddy day and they're wiping their feet on the carpet or things like that. Um,
0: Yeah, those movement episodes are... Absolutely indispensable, not only from the fact that, I mean, and the videos as well. I mean, take it for what it is, but like I recommend with a lot of these templates and things is, or, or even like yesterday coaching the snatch, right? It's one of those principles that when we're going through the progressions and I'm telling people who are trying to figure it out to slow down, right. In that I would much rather you go slow and be kind of clunky and hit all the positions perfectly, because I can take that when you do the movement well, and then slowly speed you up rep after rep after rep. And that's a lot easier than going fast and being sloppy and all over the place. And then we have to go back and dismantle the whole thing and start from scratch. What I'm getting at there is like with these videos of seminar staff coaching in the small group breakouts and things, and then best hour of their day, these guys who are seminar staff members, who are giving you feedback in terms of like, they coach hundreds of people every weekend that they have never met before. So we're walking into a new gym with people coming from around the country. Not only have they never met these athletes before, but these athletes have never met each other before. So so their job and what they're having to apply in terms of getting these people to move well, very quickly, right, in less than an hour, in a circle, I, you have to teach the shoulder press, push press, push jerk, and get everybody moving better than they did when they walked in. Like the the cues and things that they're doing there are refined over thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and, and, and hundreds of thousands of people, right? And they work every time. And because it's been honed. So why not steal that? Yeah. Why not start there? Get really good at it. The, it. We sometimes we have a lot of ego, right? personal trainers and, and coaches we are artists and we're generally very like extroverted high energy outgoing people and have a tendency to like want to express ourselves and that can get us into trouble because we want to come up with our own thing. We want our own deal. But why start from scratch? Why reinvent the wheel? you know why not take something that already has been proven through thousands and thousands of hours? To work really really well get good at that and then build and and customize off of that like put your own personality on top of that foundation of something that's already proven to be successful in almost any situation um
1: right and with you and i we have a tendency to maybe talk a little too much sometimes just and even getting someone set up i have i will like tell an entire story i do a lot of kids (laughs) classes and so you know vision like picturing having them picture or be like cartoons all of a sudden in the woods walking and their foot gets stuck in the mud and now it's stuck to the ground but that takes a long time and yeah. adults will get bored and start looking around or whatever so just knowing something like hop them and down three times now keep your feet there super quick short to the point get somewhere they need to be um yeah I kind of felt like I was almost cheating because I, I had listened to the best hour of the day episode so many times and watched those youtube videos the crossfit youtube videos so many times i did i just stole a lot of the things that they would do or say but it works and it keeps it short simple and you know that it's that the the CrossFit staff the seminar staff are going to like it. It's what they use. And it's almost like a cheat sheet because (laughs) a a lot of times (laughs) in those episodes,
0: they're talking about the things they see. They're like, we see every weekend this person does this or says this. And it's like, great. I know I'm definitely not doing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it is. And I I do. I sit and think like I want to come up with my own thing. And Mm -hmm. I think as, you know, more experience, you'll be able to up with your own short cues that are more personalized
0: but no i've heard it put very well in terms of like bandwidth right there's so much like when your computer goes slow versus when it moves fast right is like there's so much happening in a class like in a circle of eight people and you're trying to teach them the push jerk right there's so many things to take into account that if you are having to think about which progression comes next or where the points of performance happen if you're having to like think oh am i looking at the knees right now or am i looking over here if you're having to think about that then the way you're talking is going to be clunkier you're going to miss words you're going because you only have so much bandwidth and so that whole like discipline equals freedom kind of deal of like if you have in place if you've gone through the hard and boring part of like memorizing the points of performance memorizing the progressions then just like how you learn to drive a car you sucked at it when you were in driver's training because you had to think about everything that you're doing and now you look out on the highway or like when we walk here to work how many people are driving by us like eating something on the phone staring like or and Yelling at their kid in the back seat, and they're not dying. Right. They're still going straight down the road it's because they have ingrained those patterns, and they don't even have to think about it.
1: Okay, don't jump too far ahead. You're my
0: <laughs> second point. I know. I'll we're get still off my on sofa. Just
1: what I did to study for this. All right, all right.
0: I'm drinking my coffee. So
1: the last uh, little bit towards the last uh, two or three weeks beforehand, as we were getting closer, it was going back and forth doing practicals with you. Um, even though I didn't want to.
0: Can we talk yes. about the anger and tears and hatred? Me, even though he's
1: my husband <laughs> and I love him, but he's really good at this and has much more experience and time under his belt. So I didn't want to look bad in front of him, even though it was just the two of us. Uh, so we would go through, you know, he's like, talk me through the air squat from setup and then hit all the points of performances and then give me feedback. And he wanted me to. You know, he told me have a verbal cue, a visual cue and a tactile cue for each point of performance. So at least at the minimum, you have three ways to correct one problem for each fault that you could see. Uh, so we started doing that just together um, by ourselves together. And then I took that and I kind of started typing it up into a script because sometimes I'd forget and I'd be like, wait, what did you say? What was that cue you used? Uh, And like you said, the more you kind of have memorized initially, it kind of frees you up to actually see stuff because you're not, you don't have that thing, that cue is just going to be natural to say, and you can slowly add more, but that way I don't have to be thinking about like, oh no, their heels are coming up. I know I can say heels down, but what are the other two ways to correct it? What if heels down doesn't work? But having a script of like three ways to fix one fault. Um, And I have that typed up. So between the L2 prep packet grant made and then the L2 script that I eventually typed up for myself. Um, those were huge helps. And then those videos and the podcasts and just working with other coaches, I mean, just you, cause we're all kind of separated right now, but if you can get with other people and practice back and forth, um, I get really nervous and worked out before, uh, courses or tests, but I think it pays off in the end. Cause I was able to relax more and take in what they were saying in the lectures and not be, you still get butterflies right before you have to go up and do your practical, But I wasn't as nervous, I think, or like running through things in my head as I would have been if I wasn't as prepared.
0: Zooming back out, I think you have hit on something really interesting uh, that's kind of unique to our current circumstances, which is that right now, many coaches in any discipline, not just CrossFit, around the country right now are not coaching very often right we're either out in a park or gyms are closed or whatever it's being done over zoom which is really difficult and a whole different different. whole different thing and so yet and yet your l2 was not done virtually it was not done in some other weird way it was conducted in assessing the same type of coaching that is expected in a non COVID environment, right? You're being judged by all the same criteria of your ability to perform in a regular, you know, verbal visual tactile environment of a CrossFit class. And yet you did extremely well. So I think this is an interesting point of two factors here of one really zooming out of just having something like a level two course, Doesn't matter what your discipline is, the UA, whatever weightlifting level two criteria, there's certifications all over the place. But having something like that on your schedule periodically, every couple of years or so, to like motivate you to keep getting better. Because I mean, I don't know, but you're one of the only people who's actually used that level two prep thing that I made, right? A lot of these things that are out there, I can see the logistics of who's opening them and looking through them. And like, there is a huge difference between someone who has a goal, right? We see this in training all the time. There's a reason why, you know, sometimes we'll encourage a client or an athlete to sign up for a competition of some kind even if they aren't that competitive even if we don't care at all whether they you know there's no ambition of winning this thing but having something on or even like for most crossfit athletes the open every year right it helps many of them focus their training on getting better for something having that thing to work towards motivates you to do things that you otherwise could have easily blown off right right now because the crossfit level four certification is not I don't know when it's coming out. And, uh, you know, I talked with Joe this weekend about some things and we're, we're, you know, we're going to take a break on that stuff for just a little bit because we're not, you know, we can't really be in the gym right now. We're not sure when these certifications are going to come back out. I'm thinking about signing up for the starting strength seminar because... Rip, don't give a shit. And his, his certification has a coaching evaluation to it, which is very similar to the, well, I mean, it's in the same vein as the CrossFit level four, where you get up on the platform and him and all of his coaches watch you coach someone through the back squat, the press, the deadlift, the power clean, the bench press and evaluate you. You get a pass fail as terms of like your ability to coach that person. And like, that's level four territory And I'm, I want to sign up for that because right now I'm kind of treading water in terms of like motivating myself to keep watching these videos, keep using my flashcards, keep digging at this stuff and staying sharp with it. And, um, so like during a time right now where many people probably aren't coaching a fraction of the hours that they were having some goal to work towards is important. And then also having components like this, utilizing, utilizing, um, Uh, these kind of tools like YouTube videos. There's so many like that playlist that I've got in there is over a hundred videos long and it's just red shirts coaching people in small group circles or doing lectures at these seminars and like starting strength. If if you're not into CrossFit, but you like powerlifting or whatever, Alan Thrall's videos are all strongman stuff and him coaching other people. And then Mark Ripito's stuff is, you know, there's legions of these videos out there that you could be watching. And you know, is it as effective as one-on-one coaching a person in real life? No, nothing is. But in the absence of it, it definitely does something. I mean, the fact that Schnell was able to spend four months studying for this thing with very little in the scope of things, very little actual in-person or in-class coaching experience, and yet go to the seminar and crush it on the uh, evaluation of actual in-person coaching shows that those types of uh, methods of practice have validity, have traction, right? Uh, is the same kind of thing. I mean, you hear about the same kind of thing in shooting a little bit in terms of like shooting's really expensive, right? Going to the range and paying for ammo and doing that stuff is very expensive. But a lot better. of the
1: dry drills
0: yeah dry firing watching videos of other people doing drills and like imitating it and and yeah visualization and stuff all that stuff has been proven to work and yeah it's a fraction of as effective but it's still time what else would you have been doing right eating watching TV (laughs) doing something else yeah Yeah. which is zero percent effective (laughs) in terms of getting you ready so some percentage higher than zero is worth it right uh, anyway, so good good stuff there. You hit on that. That was really so important.
1: 30 minutes or so
0: of mm-hmm. how I prepped. <laughs> well, Didn't we talk about we hit talking uh, too much, right? Yeah. That's why this podcast exists. <laughs> this is my outlet.
1: <laughs> so even though, I mean, the level two, they're really hitting in those six domains of coaching, the teaching, seeing, correcting, group management, presence and attitude and demonstration. But really, I, I think most of us coaches and what they really hit on is that teaching, seeing, correcting they sprinkle in the presence attitude, group management, uh, group management demonstration, but they really hit on and you're really like being evaluated on learning on your teaching seeing correcting, which is what I wanted. I was like, I can memorize stuff, but Mm -hmm. I only have so many hours. I just need to see more, but I want to get better at that. Um, But my first point, something that really just kept coming up and stuck out to me was how important demonstration is. And it's I have like three different points under demonstration. So the first one is at your whiteboard brief or whenever you're demoing the movements for the workout that day, like how important it is for you to give it your all. Like if we want them to treat a PVC pipe as a, as a loaded heavy barbell, mm-hmm. but you're talking and you're talking about the workout and you're like, Oh, here's what a front squat looks like. And you're kind of soft and your elbows aren't high and you're not really putting effort into it. Cause you're like, Oh, all these people have done front squats before they know what it looks like, but I'm still supposed to show it but you don't give a lot of fight. And then in the warm up or during the workout, you're trying like, why get your elbows up, your elbows up. But they just saw you kind of give a soft front squat. So why should they fight for it? So um, I actually got, that was like one of my pluses and one of my demos was like, man, you put a lot of effort into those two front squats that the PVC pipe you used to demo before you started teaching. And they really liked that. Like showing me like, take a breath, uh, brace my belly. And then at the bottom, really trying to put my elbows up. And they said, even if you're not good at a movement, it's, you know, you have to demo an overhead squat with PVC pipe and you know, like your mobility is not great. You can say that up front. Hey, I'm going to demo two overhead squats. I'm still working on my overhead position, but watch this. And then at the bottom you're showing them that you are fighting for elbows up in the front squat or, you know, your arm is back in that overhead squat. And then when it gets to their turn in the warmup and you're like, come on, come on, fight for me. They're going to be more likely to fight for that good position because they saw you fighting for it. And you're both working to get better at it. So not taking that real quick little demo of the movements for granted, like really put effort into that and it will show and uh, have your members take that more seriously. And then demoing, another way that you can demo is taking classes with members. If you're not the one coaching, jumping in and taking a class and during that class, like representing what you want other members to be like in your class, right? You're picking the right scaling movement you're picking you're scaling your weight if you need to and you're keeping that great body position those movements um you're not overloading that deadlift because you love deadlift and you want to go heavy but halfway through you're getting tired now your back's rounding and they're looking over like you always tell me to keep my back flat but obviously <laughs> when you get tired it doesn't matter anymore you yeah, know like yeah. even if you don't have that top score you have lighter weight a slower time but you are moving perfectly like they're gonna notice that and so that's another way that you can quietly, without saying anything, be a great demonstration of coaching and movement and demoing. Um, and then finally, in and out of the gym, talking about nutrition, sleep, fitness, uh, you know, you don't want to walk into class on Monday morning with sunglasses on saying you partied all weekend, you got crappy sleep, and then turn around and tell them, you know, how, how important sleep is and stuff like that. And you run into them at the grocery store. We do, we do this. Uh, we always have this little challenge with members like, Hey, if you see me in a grocery store, wave me down and check out my cart. Like the cart challenge, let's take a picture of our carts and post them on Instagram and be proud of what you have in your cart. If you're eating healthy. And that doesn't say we're perfect. Maybe I have a thing of vodka in my cart or a thing of, you know, whatever chips or something. Um, you don't want to be perfect, then they're like, I can't even, why even try? Sure. You know, you want to be human. But, like, if you have something that's not super healthy, maybe it's the 4th of July and you have a pack of beer for the party or whatever. Uh, but in general, it's usually a pretty good-looking cart that we have. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, or I remember Joe saying, like, hey, if you run into your cl- member at the ice cream shop and you got this loaded frozen yogurt thing with, you know, cookies and candies on top, but it was... You know in celebration of something and his wife talks about in the kids class sometimes foods and always foods so you don't have to like hide from your member member and be embarrassed that you have this loaded ice cream thing but you can you know use that as a teaching point like oh we just you know my daughter just won their team won the softball game so we're celebrating or something this is a sometime food I mean, we went out and got ice cream after my level two, because I worked hard and stressed for like the three months leading up to it. And I felt like it went really well and I was like, let's go get ice cream. Uh, so yeah, demoing in front of people for your movements, you know, having good movement during class, taking class with your members, and then just inside and outside, whether you run into them at the restaurant, the grocery store, wherever, like be what you want them to be too, like walk the walk. and. That just kind of kept coming up over and over again in little parts of the class, and I thought that was really important.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really profound, (laughs) and that can (laughs) that could be easily a podcast or two in and of itself. But I mean, there is multiple. Had a long conversation with the owner of where we're at right now the other day about the unique circumstance now during, you know, quarantines situation where we do have some part classes, but this idea of demonstration and it going way beyond just showing a movement at the beginning of class, but where that's a lot of where the community uh, and leadership, very especially, aspects of your, your gym come into play. I mean, every famous and very successful gym that you can think of, CrossFit or otherwise, is characterized usually by an extremely charismatic, extremely, um, you know, motivational leadership, right? And so that idea of realizing that the coaches in your gym, whether they like it or not, are leaders. And almost in the same instance as uh, like a politician, right? When a politician earns office, they are essentially signing – On to the fact that your life is no longer private, like you accepted this position and therefore you are on stage under the spotlight. You cannot expect to have the same level of privacy as a regular citizen. And in some ways within the gym, that's applicable to coaches, you know, like whether you like it or not, it is human nature for every member in the gym to be looking to the coaches for what am I supposed to be doing? Right. We had that conversation where a member had said, I want to look like Chanel. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's so that's the thing. But that if that person doesn't know what her daily habits are or what's going on with that. But at the same time, you want that, though. You want your members to be like, yeah, I want to look like my coach or, yeah, I want to be like my coach. You know, that's why one of the reasons why they stick around like it or not, we are still evolved creatures, right? The, the pack is led and the other people in the pack want to be that leader or be like that leader. And that helps to drive things forward. And so that, yeah, that principle of demonstration is profound well beyond just the surface factor of showing people hot front squat.
1: Yeah. I mean, walk in the walk, it gets, it builds trust and it gets buy-in from your members. And, and continues building that community, especially I think you should definitely like jump into classes at your gym oh, and yeah. work out with the members. Um, we've coached a couple different gyms. I know one of them, like half the coaches had their own thing. One was like, I just Olympic lift at this other gym, but I coach here. And the other one was like, I'm just a power lifter. And, you know, you could tell and they didn't, it, they just weren't bought in. I was like, why are you coaching CrossFit if yeah. you don't even do it or you don't want to? And they're like, well, I know it's great for everybody. It's just not for me. But yeah. And it's like, no, I mean, the gym right now, it's great. Uh, when we were open, you know, it was, I think you had to take a minimum of three classes a week. Mm-hmm. So you're taking other coaches' classes so coaches can give each other feedback and members get to work out with you and see you work out too and build that relationship.
0: It, 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 it bakes realism into your coaching Anyway, and like designing is that same theory behind that saying and for warm ups, like warm them up the way you would. There's that weird like when you're writing a workout or something, there's that weird temptation to put all this crazy gobbledygook into a warm up or a cool down. And then when you actually like self reflect as when you come into the gym and work out you're like oh i didn't do any of that stuff yeah. for the warm up you know like warm them up the way you warm up and that way you can tell it puts that realism in there when you make that lesson plan cuz if you don't do these workouts you're going to and you're right in the warm up you're you know and people can smell bullshit from a mile mm-hmm. away when it, when they're doing that warm up they're like why are we doing all this weird stuff yeah. like you don't have that context when you aren't doing those workouts as well I love it. What's your next thing? Uh,
1: my next point was kind of what you started to already talk damn it, about damn earlier, it. <laughs> but uh, more along the teaching seeing, correcting. But knowing every point of the setup and knowing the points of performance will help so much in seeing and correcting. Like in general, you'd be like, I know what a good squat looks like, but if you don't know the setup and the points of performance, and somebody something just looks off, it's it's harder to pinpoint and to figure out. And if you didn't teach them. The The correct setup and the points of performance throughout like the warmup or whatever, and then you're trying to correct and they don't understand and you're a little lost and you're trying to figure out how to make it better. But just having those two things memorized helps so much in seeing what's wrong specifically and being able to correct it and having already taught them throughout the warmup or whatever helps it, makes it easier for them to understand what you're trying to correct or to correct that movement too. Yeah. Um and I had the uh I had the problem of being like looking, there's that macro, micro, macro, and I'm still working on that. And that was part of my final evaluation um input, which I appreciated because it was the opposite of what I was doing. So I have had like the bouncing eyeballs. <laughs> um just trying to see the whole class when they moved and trying to find what's wrong and you know, when you I think both joe probably you i think i heard on best hour of their day like if you try to see everything you end up seeing nothing yeah and that's what i was doing because i didn't want to miss anything and i did not want to leave anybody out but like movement would happen i'm like well I, I guess that was okay or it's nothing no one's gonna get hurt i don't yeah. see a majorly rounded back but i can't how do i make them better until um it's gonna say something else but so i've kind of went in the opposite direction so at my in my final eval when i'm teaching, seeing, correcting a groove at the level two. I did very well at zoning in micro, mm-hmm. watching somebody like and that point of, that's what I was going to say, that point of performance, knowing the point of performance and setup, help you kind of like evaluate and go up the body is something, you know, you can like look at the feet. All right. Those are good. Look at the hips. Okay. That's good. Oh, there's the bar path. That's where something's wrong. Yeah. So as a new coach, especially, it just helps me to have that in my head to be able to kind of see what's wrong. But then I was kind of really focused in on one person and helping them, but everybody's still going through the warm up every time I say go. And you know, it's like, is the coach seeing me? Why aren't they talking to me? So I'm I'm still working on that, like maybe looking around for that static position. And then zoning in on one person for one movement and then looking at the group again and then moving on so nobody really feels left out, but I can still see stuff. I'm still, I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth. Yeah. Uh, working on. I that. think you have to
0: hit both extremes though to see what it's like and realize the downsides of it and then you know, that's always going to be something that you can get better at. You know, I caught myself doing that this morning with the push press and the push jerk. Of, you know, <laughs> It's so easy to just decide to zone out between two or three athletes. So, like, I'm trying to work on the ability to do where I can look down a line of people and maybe check two people at the same time. Because okay. once you get up to, you know, to
1: get 15
0: to 20 yeah. people, you, you know, you'd have to do 50 reps in order to get to everybody. And so... Like this, I'm slowly starting to dabble that in. But even as you're doing it, it's so easy to like defocus. You have to look at exactly one thing, like the knee bend and the push press or the depth in the dip or something like that. You have to limit it to like one tiny thing or part of one thing that you're looking for on multiple people, especially. But it's always something that you have to work on.
1: And that's where after my level one, when I started coaching, uh, they gave me what was supposed to be the least busiest class. Yeah. And I can see why it's really it's really helpful for you to start with personal training one on one or small groups, like five or less, even like one or two, three people. Uh, because I got thrown in and they tried to give me the least busiest day, but I didn't realize that CrossFit gyms kind of the same as global gyms after the new year. You get a lot <laughs> of inflow of people. Not everybody sticks around, but my classes I started off with like 15 to 20 people classes. Brand yeah. new. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, I was pretty much like time managing and like making sure nobody got injured and I was so okay. overwhelmed but it, it got smaller eventually as we went on uh and now here like I still six months in I feel the most comfortable with like six people like, yeah 10 is almost overwhelming it's getting better to manage but like over 10 and I'm like I need another coach to help me because I don't want to miss stuff and I want them to have a good workout and I don't yeah. just want to be a timekeeper right. and I think that just takes time uh but I'm really comfortable when I have like or like five or six people in my yeah, class right now. And I'm like, yes, spot. that's my sweet spot. I got this. I can see everybody. I can talk to everybody. I can correct and like praise everybody. Um,
0: no, I do. I really agree with CrossFit's insistence on that in terms of growing yourself as a coach um, of, you know, starting small and then getting, cause there's just, there's some lessons you learn in one-on-one personal training of like the fact that, it's awkwardly silent if you're not talking because <laughs> yeah. there's only one other person in the class like you have to fill all of the space and you're the only source of stimulus other than music to that person for that whole hour and that is like it it really shows whether you have the personality to actually run an hour of somebody's life and give them something valuable from it and then uh, i feel like scaling up from there you get, you keep as much of that as possible as you drag forward versus if you came from the other direction, you, you know, you end up just being, you know, the headset polo shirt wearing bootcamp kind of instructor person where it's like, it's, I think it's much harder to take someone who's used to being like, yeah, but that extra detail would make it impossible to da da da, you know, because they're used to having to just govern an entire group of people, right? It, it almost bakes into you a zoned out, Uh, you know uh, writing off of individual correction because there's too many people we need to get going we have a timeline to hit like you know I'd much rather have to work on not going a little long or like not spending a lot of time with each person just a little bit zoning out just a little bit and getting broader corrections on things because I'm giving people too much right much rather over deliver and have to work on cranking it back just enough than being completely dismissive and blah, blah, blah. Every group's the same next 20 people, please. And then having to try to add character to that. I don't know. I think it works much better in one direction than, than the other direction. Yeah.
1: Um, and then the last point, I mean, there were so many things I learned, so I just tried to narrow it out. Yeah. Me. How many pages have you got in that notebook? Out to me? So the last one is, um, being relentless, being relentless and making movement better. And I've heard that plenty of times. Uh, And I struggle with that a little bit because I don't want to feel like I'm constantly hounding someone or like overwhelming them or something. Like I still want them to have fun. And I mean, you can definitely do that. Being relentless doesn't mean to be mean or something. I almost feel like I don't want to like invite invade their privacy. I don't know, I have this weird thing in my head. I'm still trying to get over with like, Uh, being relentless because I want to improve their movement but I don't want to overwhelm them or have them feel bummed at the end and maybe it's the way you give it um and sometimes it helps just to knowing the people as I'm getting more comfortable at the gyms here and knowing each person's personality I know kind of how to approach it and how much they can take at one time and uh again knowing multiple cues even just one of each of those visual, verbal, and tactile will help you be relentless. Because maybe you're being relentless, but your whatever cue you're giving them isn't working. So no matter how relentless you are, they're not going to get better. But the more ways you know how to correct a fault, yeah. the better it's going to be. And then just when you make a correction, like staying and watching to make sure that it actually works, yeah. And not being afraid to try something. Like all three of these kind of come together. So like if you're like that squat looks a little funny. Try to move your feet out and then it gets worse. Never mind, never mind. Move your feet out. You don't have to be like, oh, I said that. Now I have to stick to it, or they're gonna think I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Um, or you tell them to move your feet out and then you turn around and walk away and you don't know if it got better or not. So being relentless, knowing your points of performance, different cues for each fault, and yeah. um playing and not being afraid to play around with all of that together to help improve
0: Yeah. Movement. Right. Well, and I think that's kind of going back to the previous point a little bit but that's where starting with personal training can really really help because when you only have one person and you know one set of movements on your you know lesson plan it's glaringly obvious w- when you're only with one person whether they got better by the end of the session or not with a big group of people you can kind of hand wave and I was going to say a little bit about like community I think what you just said relates a lot to the community aspect of where you're at because we've noticed the difference between just a couple of gyms of where like in some circumstances that community or the mindset of the members is like oh the coach is going to come around and coach me and they're going to try to make me better in this stuff and then in other cultures depending on how it was grown it's a lot more like the coach is really here to like put good music on and, and run the clock. And I'm just here to sweat. And like, this is, you know, you know, very much more of like a boot camp mentality of, like, I'm here to just, you know, talk with my friends and get sweaty. And like, that's all that matters about exercise. And so when you try to give them corrections, they're like, yeah, I got it. You know, they just think you're like checking the block of like trying to justify your paycheck of like, you're just coming around to say shit because right. that's your job. I'm like, whatever, I'm just doing squats. This is going to make me better. Uh, and yeah, they don't implement any of those corrections. But um, going back to like a good example of that was like that fun moment the other day teaching the snatch, right? Where that relentlessness piece that you're talking about, yeah. right? Member that we had who, like, how many times? And we're pretty new to this gym. <laughs> how many times had we have been told like, oh, this guy, he doesn't like change, guy, but... he won't change yeah. the thing, and yet, you know. We're, Coaching the snatch. Something clicked. And and we just hammered it over and over again and talked to him like a human being and like kinda gave him some encouragement in certain areas and like focused on things and went back and forth with like, Oh, yep, that was the same. Maybe let's try this other cue instead. Okay, that's a little better. Now let's do that but more and and emphasize it. And by the end of the time, he was I mean, I couldn't. So he uh, went
1: from, like, I don't know if he should be even snatching with an empty barbell to he was snatching 95 pounds and making it look easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it look really I
0: well. couldn't find something yeah. other than maybe a little balance stuff and just, like, consistency in terms of, like, it was still new to him, like, little right. baby deer kind of stuff. But, like, damn near every point of performance on that thing was looking beautiful. Like, I mean, he, he went from, like, a 3 to here. a 10. Yeah. yeah. and that and like you said afterwards, like, that made that person's day. Yeah. Like, he had like had the expression at the end of class, like no one has ever told me this before. Or like you could tell in his mind, he was like, I'm just going to be a crappy snatcher forever. And that's okay. Like he had come to an acceptance point of like, I'm just not good at Olympic lifts. And then by the end of that day, he just saw that he can actually not, not just be competent at it, but actually do a really good rep and many of them in a row. And so, you know, that's, that's like, that's why we coach like that's the whole point those kind of breakthroughs and that kind of like epiphany moment that you can have with another person in there is why that personal training aspect of of crossfit is so beneficial not just to the athlete but to the coach and i mean
1: that affected all the other members there because they all know each other and they've been working out and they probably yeah he's just always looked like that or he's never (laughs) been good at snatching and like you know, to see that process, I mean, they were snatching and there was rest in between, you know, it was like three sets on a minute or whatever. And so they were watching and they were seeing this improvement and like how you were talking to him and the different cues you made and like how it changed from the warm up all the way through to the end and how excited he was and they were excited for him. And now if they have something that, you know, one of them loves lifting, so she's already pretty good. You have to get into that real fine detail Mm -hmm. to get improvement. but there's other areas like she was talking about Wednesday we deadlift and she's like, Oh man, I'm not good at deadlifting. Great at snatching. But now she has buy-in that if you help her with that deadlift, if you try to correct her, that you know what you're doing and that you're going to be able to help her get better on that movement, (coughs) even though we're fairly new coaches here. still but I think that was a big win for everybody in the class to see that happen.
0: Agreed. I love it. You got anything else?
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure there's so much more, but those were like the demoing, knowing your setup and your points of performance, uh, knowing multiple cues for one fault and being relentless, um, and back to demoing, just be what you want your members to be.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, perfect. I think that puts a nice little bow on this. That was, you know, how to not just survive your L2, but be a. Quote, varsity level coach at oh. your L2.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, oh, and uh, Joe DeGain and Colin Thede are awesome. I've had them. I had them both at my level one. I think there were like six staff members there, but I had both of them. And then Joe also coached the uh, kids class. And that could be a whole nother episode. I used even kids cues in my level two. Those work great for even adults. <laughs>
0: yep. And so what you'll notice is a lot of these points were very similar to the study points from our episode on passing your level three. So just a little different context, but thanks everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Take some good things from this. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to unitedbystrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners.